This episode may contain themes that are unsettling for some listeners and includes dialogue that is inappropriate for children under 14. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey, juicers. I'm Brooke. And I'm Alyssa. And this is... For God's sake. Don't drink the Jones juice. Welcome back to episode 31. Hey, guys. We missed you last week. Yeah, we did. (laughs) (laughs) That was unfortunate that we had to miss a week. But you get two episodes tonight, so yay. Two entire episodes that Brooke and I have busted our asses researching on, so... Enjoy. <laughs> and my stories are uh, very out of the usual Brooke realm. I'll just say that. So I know I'm kind of excited. At least one of them is. And I'm actually, the one that you're going to tell in this episode, I'm actually extremely excited for. So Sweet. This week, I'm doing a serial killer. And then in my other episode, it's um, it's not a murder or anything like that. It's just absolutely appalling and you're going to be like holy fucking shit like (laughs) what is wrong with people i wonder if i've heard it before i don't know if you have i had never heard of it well i know you haven't heard of my episode 32 one so i'm excited about that too yeah i'm excited too all right well do do we need to um only announcement i really have to make is i do want to make you guys aware if you're not in our facebook group or maybe haven't seen the post i have about I think it's like 17 um, Ouija board, don't drink the Jones juice t-shirts available for sale at my tattoo shop, uh, $25 a piece, which is actually cheaper than you can get them on our store frontier shop, um, including shipping. So if you would like one, please let us know and you can come pick it up at the tattoo shop. Um, but yeah, I think I have like 17 or 18 left. So I, I made a bulk order. That way I would have them on hand for the people that have been asking for me to have them at the shop. Right. And I like Store Frontier a lot. It's super convenient for Brooke and I, but it does take forever for your shirt to get here. So this way you can have it. Which is crazy to me because they are a Georgia uh, shop. Literally. They but it are takes like two and a half Georgia. weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they probably just have a lot of shirts like, oh, I'm in sure. a queue for printing or whatever, but so um, yeah and i mean is this something that you want to like if we sell out with these pretty fast do you want to do it again with a yeah, different shirt probably yeah. yeah so what i did this last time is i kind of put like a poll up like what's your favorite shirt vote on it and the one that got the most votes i ordered a bulk um supply of so yeah come get you one and thank you to everybody that has gotten one yes thank you guys and if you have bought one take a picture in it and post it to the group so other people can see because they're really good quality shirts too by the way i wear mine literally all the time that and i also have the ouija board hoodie Mm -hmm. i also wear that all the time as well so that one that one is actually it's one of my least favorite designs but it's my favorite shirt (laughs) if that makes sense Mm -hmm. but yeah it's cool (laughs) i'm excited for you guys to get those yes i uh just ordered myself those two newer ones that i designed Mm -hmm. they're they're really good quality too the one with the doll heads yeah and then the one with the ghost i've worn them both good they turned out really good yeah like great like the doll head especially like it's like really good quality i'll have to show them to you yeah when uh 
when Brooke had put the image on the shirt. For whatever reason, Store Frontier, they don't give you like a straight shirt to like put the guide on yeah and it, it's like a shirt that obviously they like threw down and took a picture of it mm-hmm. and so we're like oh my god this looks so uneven it's not though and we tried and we tried and we tried to make it look good but um we just figured that we would when brooke got it if it looked like shit we, we would yeah. delete it and try again but apparently it came out good so yes so if you go on there and it looks uneven when you purchase it it's not <laughs> so just keep that in mind Yup, yup. Is that it? I think that's it. Yep. Okay. So um, today I am doing the Atlanta child murders. Ooh, local case. And actually, this case, um, it's it was kind of hard to research because there is a, a specific person who is blamed for all of these murders, and I'm pretty sure there's like 28 plus murders or something like that, mm-hmm. and like uh three-year time span literally a kid was dying like once a month on average Mm -hmm. it was insane Mm -hmm. but there's not many details because the person blamed for this not charged for this they were not convicted of these murders um they you know to this day you know still claim their innocence so there's not any details on like really how these children died you know they have like the cause of death and you know like witnesses seeing these kids for the last time or whatever but we don't really know too much information so i don't want you guys to think that i rushed through each individual um victim there just really isn't a lot of information on them so with that being said um (laughs) the atlanta child murders were a series of 28 murders in atlanta georgia between july 1979 and may 1981 and um my dad was born in 65 and lived in this area like his whole life and um you know he told me that during this time like everywhere was in a state of panic oh yeah because i mean like once a month a kid is disappearing and being found murdered Mm -hmm. like and back then you know like you know they a serial killer wasn't always like a really known mm-hmm. you know um choice of words for someone like this and you know a lot of what we know now about serial killers wasn't really known back then oh yeah so every victim is black mm-hmm. but you know because we didn't know that you know most serial killers kind of stay with the same race that they're killing mm-hmm. and it's usually the race that they are mm-hmm. um you know everybody was scared mm-hmm. not just the black community but white communities asians mm-hmm. hispanics whatever everybody was just fucking scared mm-hmm. <laughs> and honestly like i would still be scared too even oh, if we yeah. did have this knowledge because i mean it's scary yeah for sure so the murders took place in the city of atlanta Fulton County, DeKalb County, Cobb County, and Douglas County. The murders first started occurring in mid-1979 when two boys named Edward Hope Smith, who also went by Teddy, and Alfred Evans, who were both 14, went missing four days apart. Mm -hmm. Their bodies were found on July 28th in a wooded area. Edward had a 22 caliber gunshot wound in his upper back. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really information on the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
After the first two victims were found, Atlanta was declared the murdered mur- the, blah, 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 <laughs> the murder capital of the country. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. And now Atlanta is the sex trafficking capital of such a great city. <laughs> no, dude, Atlanta is so, so proud. scary. If you've never been there, just don't go honestly it's like it is beautiful and there's a lot of cool stuff there but it is so dangerous i get anxiety going i don't know i mean i wouldn't say it it's so dangerous i mean i think it's just like any other big city you know what i I mean i think it's more dangerous than most big cities yeah oh yeah i guess it depends on where too all big cities are there's beautiful places down there you know and there's really cool shops and Mm -hmm. there's really cool people atlanta really is very diverse and really cool Mm -hmm. but it just scares the shit out of me (laughs) i literally i just hate being down there because of the traffic and Um, the narrow as fuck roads oh my god like driving down moreland yeah you're literally your car is like as big as the lane yeah (laughs) it's so scary so um Law enforcement was working overtime, and there was a huge distrust in them from the community. Mm -hmm. Um, On September 4th, Milton Harvey, who was also only 14, disappeared while out running an errand for his mother. A week later, his yellow speed bike was found in a remote area of Atlanta. It wasn't until November that his body was found. Um. On uh, October 21st, Yusuf Bell, who was only nine years old, went missing while on his way to buy snuff for his neighbor at Reese Grocery Store on McDaniel Street. Which snuff. <laughs> okay, when you first said that, I was not thinking of that kind of snuff, but I get it now. I was like, why is there a nine-year-old buying snuff? For his neighbor. But yeah, it's still I, crazy that a nine-year-old Well, is. I get it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm thinking like snuff films because we're... Oh, yeah. No, not <laughs> snuff films. No. Yeah. no. I didn't even think about that. That's why I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, either way, it's weird, but... <laughs> a nine-year-old, I didn't even know they could do that back then. Yeah. I don't think there was any restrictions on like tobacco products. That's crazy. Um, also, guys, I once again have a sinus infection, so... That's why I sound weird, and you may hear some sniffles, and I do apologize, because obviously my immune system is just fucking shite, so. (laughs) So, a witness claims to have seen Yusef near the intersection of McDaniel and Fulton getting into a blue car before he disappeared. Um, On November 8th, his body was found in the abandoned E.P. Johnson Elementary School. What? A janitor found his body while looking for a place to fucking urinate. Oh. <laughs> Why was the janitor in the abandoned school? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Um, Yusuf had been hit on the head twice, but his cause of death was strangulation. And a lot of these deaths, it is from strangulation. Mm-hmm. He was still wearing the same clothes he had last been seen wearing, and he had a piece of masking tape stuck on his pants. Hmm. And at first, the police didn't think that the two murders or the this murder and the previous ones were connected. But now they do think that they are. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1980, in 1980 <laughs> Angel Lanier, who is 12 and the first female victim disappeared. Oh, I don't think I knew there was a girl. Yeah. So if there's more than one girl. Mm-hmm. Oh, she was last seen at a friend's house watching Sanford and Son. Six days later, her body was found in a wooded, vacant lot along Campbellton Road. 
a pair of white panties that didn't belong to her were found shoved in her mouth. Oh. And her hands were bound with an electrical cord. Her cause of death was strangulation. Mm, that's sad. Yeah. On March 11th, which was exactly a week after Angel went missing, Jeff- Jeffrey Mathis, Mathis, M-A-T-H-I-S, mm-hmm. who was 11 years old, went missing while on an errand for his mother. And I say to you mothers, <laughs> just don't send your kids out on an errand. See, that was that was common back then, though. Now oh. I can't imagine being like, hey, Anne, you're eight years old, but I need some snuff. <laughs> <laughs> Go get me some snuff. <laughs> you know? I mean, even at her age now, 13, I'm not going to say, hey, go to the gas station. I need a Fanta. Well, yeah, walk to you know walk what I mean? Fanta. <laughs> walk to the gas station. We don't station. do that now because yeah. of things like this. Right. Okay, so uh, months later, a girl said she saw him get into a blue car with a light-skinned man. Eleven months, eleven months after Jeffrey went missing, his body was found in a briar-covered patch of woodlands. They were not able to identify a cause of death due to the long span of time that his body was just, you know, laying there. Goodness gracious, these poor families. Yeah, it's really sad. Um, May 18th, Eric Middlebrooks, who was 14. A lot of these victims are 14. 14. That's strange. Well. Is there a reason for this? Yeah. We'll get more into it. So, um, Eric Middlebrooks, who was 14 when missing, he was last seen answering the phone at home and then leaving on his bike in a hurry. He also took a hammer with him to fix his bike. That's what it said. I don't really know. Okay. what are you going to do with the hammer with the bike? But hmm. that's what he did. Also, um, I got all my um, information from Wikipedia. And HBO has released a documentary about the Atlanta child murders. But I wasn't going to pay to have HBO Max. So yeah. I couldn't watch it. But they do have a timeline of everything that you can look at for free okay. on the website. So that's what I did. So his body was found... Uh, the next day next to his bike in the rear garage of an Atlanta bar. The bar was beside the Georgia Department of Offender Rehabilitation. His pockets were turned inside out, his chest and arms had slight stab wounds, and the cause of death was determined to be blunt force trauma to the head. A few weeks before his death, Eric had testified in court against three juveniles in a robbery case. And you may be thinking like, well, that doesn't sound connected. Yeah. But I'll kind of, like, show you how it might be connected. Okay. Like, later on. So, June 9th, Christopher Richardson, who was 12 years old, went missing on his way to a local pool. He was last seen walking to the DeKalb County's Midway Recreation Center in Midway Park. His body was not found until seven months later in January of 1981. He was found next to a later victim named Earl Terrell. The cause of Christopher's death is unknown. Mm -hmm. Um, So here's our next female victim. Mm -hmm. On June 22nd, LaTanya Wilson, who was seven years old, went missing from her parents' apartment. A witness said that it appeared that LaTanya had been abducted by two men, with which one of the men had been seen climbing through the apartment window and then held LaTanya in his arms as he talked with the other man in the parking lot. On October 18th, her body was found in a fenced-in area at the end of Ver- 
Verbena, Verbena Street in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. By then, all that was left was bone, oh. and her cause of death couldn't be identified. Wow. So these cases, like they 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 blame all on this one particular guy, um, but a lot of them, to me, just by what you're describing, some they don't sound connected. Yeah, I agree. So, and we'll kind of talk more about that later. Mm-hmm. But literally, even to this day, he all claims, of them. He doesn't claim anything. He no his innocence, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't think that he is innocent because. Once he was arrested, the murders did stop. Yeah. But... But that's also convenient for somebody else. Exactly. But there are a couple of people that I do think he did kill. He is still alive, right? I know he was back in 2019. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay. So, um... Uh... The very next day on June 23rd, 10-year-old Aaron Weich, which W-Y-C-H-E went missing after being at a local grocery store. Witnesses saw him get into a blue Chevrolet with either one or two black men. One witness said she saw Aaron being led from Tanner's Corner Grocery by a six-foot-tall, 180-pound black male who appeared to be about 30 years old with a mustache and a goatee. Mm. The car that was described was similar to the description in the Jeffrey Mathis disappearance. The following day, Aaron's body was found under a bridge. The official cause of death was asphyxiation from a broken neck caused by a fall. Hmm. Like, from the bridge into oh, the water or whatever. Wow. Yeah. That's odd. Um, July 1980, Anthony Carter and Earl Terrell were murdered. On August 21st, Clifford Jones, who was 13, was found dead by strangulation behind a dumpster. Darren Glass was reported missing on September 14th, but his body was, or his body has never been recovered. So he's still out there somewhere. Hmm. Charles Stevens, at the age of 12, was reported missing on October 9th. The next day, his body was found. It was determined that his death was caused by suffocation. On November 1st, Aaron Jackson, who was nine years old, went missing. His body was found the next day laying face up on a river bank. His cause of death was determined to be from strangulation. Hmm. November 30th, Patrick Rogers, who is also who also knew a lot of the previous victims went missing. His body was found December 7th in the Chattahoochee River. It's speculated that his body was dropped from the bridge above the river. Already dead. Okay, so um, this next victim, remember this victim because we will talk about him later on when we kind of get into theories of who the killers might actually be. Okay. So, Luby Jeter was the first victim of 1981. He disappeared on January 3rd and was later found February 5th. Jeter's friend Terry Pugh um, went missing in the same month. An anonymous caller told the police where his body could be found. Terry lived in the same apartment as Edward Smith, who was one of the first victims in 1979. So a lot of these kids knew each other. I would be holding on to my baby so tight. And the kids that knew each other, I think... um, Besides Luby Jeter, 
I don't know if they did know. Well, Terry didn't know him, but I, I feel like a lot of the ones that kind of knew each other, um, Wayne Williams, who is our suspect. Um, you think they knew him? Yes. And again, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But Okay. I'm interested to hear it. Uh, in February and March, six more bodies were found and were believed to be connected with the previous homicides. Holy shit. That's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. That's two months and six bodies. Among these bodies was the first adult victim, Eddie Duncan. I did not know there was an adult either. I'm learning new things. There's a couple of adults. Wow. Yeah. And my computer will not scroll down for some reason. Okay. Um, in April, Larry Rogers, who was 20 years old, John Porter, who was 28, and Jimmy Ray Payne, who was 21, were murdered. So, already four, oh, four adults. John and Jimmy were ex-convicts and had just recently been released from Arundel State Prison after serving time for burglary. So, my theory is that um, that one, the one kid who died, and he was like, um, he testified, you know, over some robbery. Yeah, I'm wondering if these people had um, relation to him. Yeah, well, to Wayne Williams, and we know for a fact that one of them does. Okay. So I kind of wonder if they're all just like these fucked up freaks that are going around killing these kids, and then I think that Wayne Williams kind of got scared mm-hmm. and started killing off his, you know, his accomplices right. because he didn't want to get caught. Yeah. That's a good theory there. So um, May 12th, 17-year-old William Barrett was found on a curb in a wooded area near his home by FBI agents. Harold Wood, was, who was a custodian from Southwest High School, had run out of gas a mile away from where the body was. He described seeing a black man standing over and observing the area where the body was and then driving away in a white over blue Cadillac. So, um... What was I going to say? What were you going to say? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, in a lot of these cases, you'll, you know, like we've already said a couple of times that a witness saw, you know, one of these kids getting into a car with like two black men mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that goes to show that there definitely is an accomplice. Yeah. So, at least one. Right. Um, investigator Chet. Detlinger created a map of the victims' locations. All the victims fell within the same geographic perimeters and were connected to Memorial Drive and 11 major streets in the area. During the murders, 100 agents were working on the investigation. The city of Atlanta imposed curfews, and parents in the city removed their children from school and wouldn't let them play outside. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) My dad said that, um, he remembers like um at a certain time um so the the curfew barred children um under 15 from being on the streets between 11 p.m and 9 a.m yeah my dad said that he remembers clearly like at a certain time every day like to be inside yeah but like a like on the radio or something they'd be like you know they would announce that the curfew was happening and they'd be like you know do you know where your children are and that kind of thing Yeah. yeah 
so i meant to call him did like really talk to him more about that but when i was adding some of this stuff in here it was really late one night and mm-hmm. i just forgot but he remembers it um so firefighters and police would canvas houses in an effort to solve the murders they they even hired a highly regarded psychic who said she had a picture in her head of who the killer was um her name is Dorothy Allison and is credited by police across the nation with helping solve 13 murder cases and finding over 50 missing persons. Wow. She said that the killings were not a racial thing, but that they but that they were committed by someone of the same race, mm-hmm. which is what the FBI believed as well. Right. So as the media coverage of the murders intensified, the FBI predicted that the killer might dump the next victim into a body of water to conceal any evidence. Mm -hmm. So the police staked out dozens of bridges like every night Mm -hmm. to see where the next body might end up. Yeah. On May 22nd, 1981, police got their first major break, their first major breakout while doing a stakeout when they heard a splash beneath a bridge. Eee. Yeah. One officer saw a 1970 Chevrolet station wagon turn around and drive back across the bridge. Ooh, busted. Yeah. About a half of a mile from the bridge, two officers stopped the car. And the driver was 23-year-old Wayne Williams, who was a supposed music promoter and a freelance photographer. Mm-hmm. The car belonged to his parents. Mm. This is the blue car, I'm assuming, that everybody's been seeing? Well, some of them were saying a Chevrolet, and then some of them were saying another car. I can't remember which one it was. Well, a lot of people don't know, you know, brands of cars, you know what I mean? Yeah, but later on I'll also talk about this, but one person talks about a white person in one of these cars. Okay. So... That's why I'm thinking maybe he didn't kill all these people. There could have been copycats, you know. Well, it's not copycats. It's something way more sinister. But yes. So in his car, dog hairs and fibers were recovered from the rear and were later used as evidence against Wayne Williams because matching fibers were found on some of the victims. Mm -hmm. These hairs and fibers also matched his dog and the carpet at his parents' house. Wow investigators noticed a pair of gloves and a 24-inch nylon cord sitting in the passenger seat but they like never took them in for analysis why do they do this i don't know it makes me wonder if they were even in there yeah because i feel like at this point they probably just wanted so badly to pin yeah the murders because i mean people are like freaking out yes yeah they want the community to calm down they're tired of dealing with it right yeah. Um, it was also well known that Wayne Williams had handed out flyers in predominantly black neighborhoods asking for young people aged 11 to 21 to audition for his new singing group called Gemini. That's creepy. And so that's why I feel like a lot of these kids are the same age because he's handing out these flyers and enticing them to. Yes. And so like one kid would be like, hey, dude, look at this flyer Uh I found. And they would go and were any of these people sexually assaulted i don't know i don't remember that they were i was just curious like what was your what was the motive here what why just 
you gonna kind of talk about that a little bit um okay. there i mean there we really don't know because he won't even he won't admit to any of right, it so right. he's, he's not gonna talk about, about it, it. Right. right um wayne williams was gay so it could be a hatred for mm-hmm. men okay. um i don't remember if they were it never once stated that any of them were sexually assaulted okay so i really don't know um the one the girl with the panties shoved down her throat i kind of wonder if that was not him because i think that he would kill mostly just boys yeah you know but anyways um also it's worth noting that he failed a polygraph so Mm -hmm. and i know that they're not admissible in court but yeah you know if you fail one yeah it's kind of suspicious for sure yeah so when the the police officers pulled him over and they're questioning him he said that he was on his way to audition a woman named cheryl johnson who lived in smyrna police didn't find any records of the woman or her supposed interview Hmm. so that's weird unless like that was like a a stage name or something yeah. like that you you never really know but, but you'd think as like evidence came out to the community she'd be like oh that's me you know could have been that's true so yep. or she could have just been scared to come yeah. forward because true you know anyway so um two days later nathaniel carter's nude body was found floating down river a few miles from the bridge where police had heard the splash so this is the body that was dumped over that the bridge that night and they found it a couple days later yeah why didn't they go right in and get it like what well i mean it's flowing i mean i know but i'm sure it's kind of hard to find a floating in the dark body in the dark yeah yeah and like yes i do think it's important to find the body but i think it would be more important to, get the, to find the killer right because i just feel like they should have had police set up to like get the body and get the killer you yeah. know what i mean and, you know, maybe, because the longer a body sits the less evidence it's gonna right. contain but it also could have done they could have done that also and just like couldn't find him because i mean if mm-hmm. a body's flowing down a river it probably really is hard to catch yeah. up to and i, I don't know i don't know they, these the cops seem kind of like they usually are in these cases right (laughs) so who knows um so based on this evidence police believed wayne williams killed nathaniel and dumped his body over the bridge and into the water which i do think that that is true Mm -hmm. um on june 1st 1981 wayne williams was arrested and a grand jury indicted him for first degree murder in the deaths of nathaniel carter and jimmy ray Payne. and remember jimmy ray Payne was one of those juveniles who um you know spent time mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. burglaries or whatever the trial was set for 1982 so the next year Jury selection began on December 28, 1981, consisting of nine women and three men. Eight of the jury members were black and four were white. So I think that that's a good even number for yeah. um, a black suspect. Yeah. There are more black jury members than there are white. Mm-hmm. So you don't have the these, prejudice and yeah, racist shit going on. Yeah. The trial began on january 6th 1982 with judge clarence cooper presiding the biggest evidence against wayne williams was the fiber analysis between the victims of jimmy ray Payne and nathaniel carter 
There were also witnesses that testified that they had seen the two men with Wayne Williams and they had solicited sexual favors. Hmm. Yeah. The prosecution presented pre, the prosecution presentation is harshly criticized to the extent that in some jurisdictions it would have resulted in a mistrial. Yeah. Two separate FBI special agents testified that the chances of the victims not having come in contact with Wayne Williams was virtually impossible based solely on the comparative rarity of the fibers that were found on the victims, which seemed to match the fibers found in his car and home. Fiber analysis, like nowadays, mm-hmm. would not be... It would be like cir- circumstantial, circumstantial evidence. Yeah. It wouldn't be like matter of fact. Right. So... I don't think they knew that back then, but... But it sounds like they didn't really have anything else, so... They didn't. Yeah. Other than him being in the air... Like, the only other person in the area when Nathaniel's body went over the bridge. Right. Sorry. I took a sip of a drink. Um, So, Georgia Supreme Court Justice George T. Smith reviewed the case and deemed the evidence inadmissible. Uh, February 27th, 1982, the jury found Wayne Williams guilty of two counts of murder after an 11-hour deliberation. He was sentenced to two life terms in Georgia's Hancock State Prison in Sparta. Um, and like I said, um, Wayne Williams is blamed for all the child murders, but it's never been proven. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of speculation that he didn't commit them at all and that it was the KKK. That was the big belief back then that it was wow. the, Ku Klu- the Ku Klux Klan. That's scary. Yeah. Um, so do you believe he committed all those murders? No, I don't think that he committed. I do think he committed some of them, but mm-hmm. not all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, in a 1986 issue of American Music Magazine, journalists Robert Keating and Barry Michael Cooper reported that the Georgia Bureau of Investigation had been conducting a secret investigation of potential involvement from the KKK in the murders. Mm. The special task force on missing and murdered children discovered members of the group may have been involved in the murder of Luby Jeter and may have had involvement in 14 of the other murders. Wow. There were 28. So. That's crazy. 14 of them really could have been from the KKK and the other ones from Wayne Williams. Yeah. And then some of them could have just been. Random. (laughs) Yeah. you, You don't know, but. I don't know why nothing came of what I'm about to tell you. And it actually makes me very angry because if it is true, then, like, shame on our... Judicial system. Well, not our judicial system, but just, like, our law enforcement and just... Tell me about it. Investigators and literally the Georgia Bureau investigation because, oh my God. So... A Klan's member living outside of Atlanta had hoped to start a race war in Atlanta and began recruiting others for it. Charles T. Sanders, who was a member of the KKK and a recruiter, had was said to have told a criminal informant that he intended on killing Jeter. And he wanted to do this because one day Jeter accidentally backed his fucking go-kart into his car. Oh, my God. And it just made him so mad. And, um... He reportedly told the informant, I'm going to kill that black bastard. I'm going to strangle him with my dick. 
Ooh. That's literally what he said. Because he's a giant piece of fucking shit. Gross. Isn't that terrible? That is terrible. And nothing ever came of it. So, Charles's brother, Don, was recorded telling another clan member he was going out to look for another little boy. Charles also had a scar that matched the description that a witness had given who reported seeing Jeter enter the car of a white man with a jagged scar on his neck. Hmm. And he had a dog with similar hair that was found on Jeter's body and other victims. Hmm. But so did Wayne Williams. Mm -hmm. Atlanta and Georgia law enforcement agencies testified that they had little to no knowledge of the GBI's investigation. Wow. Wow. So nothing ever came of it. He just went along his way. And Charles was recorded somebody had on like a wire Mm -hmm. and they literally recorded him admitting to killing Jeter. (gasps) Oh my gosh. So no, I don't believe that Wayne Williams killed all of them. Yeah. In fact, he probably didn't kill that many of them. But somebody else was, and they did not face any consequences for the shit that they did. You think the Atlanta police just wanted to put a black man in jail and, you know. I think that, I think there are multiple reasons why this happened. Yeah. I think they didn't want to, like, publicize, like, a, you know, massacre from a KK, from the KKK. Mm-hmm. Because that would just Look cause... really bad on... It would just cause mayhem and, you know, probably riots and Mm -hmm. whatever. So it's easier to pin it all on the black man. Right. Um, He did fit the bill pretty well, Mm -hmm. considering he was, you know, around these children Mm -hmm. and handing out flyers to them. And Mm -hmm. it is convenient that he was by the bridge. He turned around on the bridge. I mean, I'm with you. I I think he definitely did commit some of the murders, but I don't think he did all of them. No. Definitely not. So, um. Sorry, guys. What is that? Next door neighbors have motorcycles and they're pulling into their garage. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, on March 21st, 2019, Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms and Police Chief Erica Shields announced that officials would retest the evidence from the murders because they want to find out if this. Mm-hmm motherfucker killed all of them or not yeah or because you know like literally all these children their families never got justice yeah they never they don't know who killed their kid they just got the well this guy probably did it right exactly (sighs) um what a shame if you guys haven't watched mindhunter which brooke for the love of god (laughs) watch mindhunter it's so good okay and in the second season i'm pretty sure it's the second they focus on the atlanta child murders and um i feel like i mean from the research i've done it all seems pretty accurate to real life um you know a lot of the um people in the community they were for sure it was the kkk and not you know wayne williams Mm -hmm. and it's a really good show um definitely watch it okay i need to and also as i said before as of 2019, Wayne Williams continues to maintain his innocence, that mm-hmm. he didn't do any of it, 
which is just kind of like at this point you're serving two life sentences just yeah. fucking admit to at least the ones that you were convicted for you're not getting out of there yeah like i don't know and they've done since then like in 2007 and whatnot they've retested like the fibers and the hairs and um you know all of it still you know pretty matched him yeah um they had you know one piece of hair that it was like a 99 percent match to wade williams and Mm -hmm. but you know that stuff is just Mm -hmm. it's not matter of fact so right well i i feel like if there was any doubt they would be able to prove that he didn't do it and he would be out he's still in there for a reason because he did do some of them for sure yeah yeah well that's it that that was a lot shorter than i thought it was going to be because there's a lot of information but well uh take a listen from one of our sponsors and we'll be back What's that smell? Oh, that's my new blueberry cheesecake wax melt from Scentsy. How do I buy one? So I have this friend named Ashton who's an independent consultant for Scentsy. Scentsy sells wax warmers, wax, diffusers and diffuser pods, oils, laundry and cleaning supplies, personal hygiene products like body washes and lotions, and they even have a kids line. Wax melts are even on sale during the month of January. Is that where that lemon-scented counter cleaner came from? Yes, it's called Squeeze of the Day. Doesn't it smell amazing? Oh, yeah. And that new shampoo I used on Emery and Charlie, it's from Scentsy, too. Where do I go to buy her products? You can go to ashtoncouch.scentsy.us. That's A-S-H-T-O-N-C-O-U-C-H dot Scentsy, S-C-E-N, T-S-Y dot U-S, or you can call her at 706-819-8968. Again, you can go to her website at ashtoncouch.sensi.us or call her number at 706-819-8968. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to part two. So uh, I will be discussing a conspiracy, conspiracy theory. Um, No murder, no suicides. This is completely out of my element, but I'm going to do it anyway. Is this our first conspiracy? Well, I think in histories and mysteries and all that shit, we talked a little bit about some conspiracy theories. Did we? Oh, yeah. Like the mandala effect yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah, okay so anyway yeah this is a little bit different for me but But it's our full like a whole episode episode or or, part of a case yeah of an episode yeah where it's just a conspiracy okay i'm kind of excited so as you can probably tell by the time you've gotten to this part of this episode i am discussing the denver international airport and before i start i would like to cite some sources i got my information from strangehistory.com undercovercolorado.com flydenver.com denverpost.com and from a bailey sarian video which i love her 
Me too. So I've known about these creepy, weird things for quite some time, but the other night I was at the gym and I just happened to come across this Bailey Sarian video. Actually, that's how I heard about this because I watched her video oh, really? on this a few months back. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, I watched that and I was like, oh, I think I'm going to cover this. It's yep. crazy. If you guys don't know this, buckle up because it's insane. Bananas. So the Denver International Airport, also known as DIA, sees over 40 million passengers every year and is the fifth busiest airport in the United States. The Atlanta one's the number one, right? I believe so. So at a cost of $4.8 billion, which, by the way, was $2 billion over budget, Denver wow. International, $2 billion. That's crazy, right? I go $5 over and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> $2 billion over the budget. Uh, so they opened on February 28th, 1995, and they were 16 months behind schedule. Ooh. Already suspicious, right? Very. We're $2 billion over budget and we are well over a year behind schedule opening. Dude, $2 billion over budget. Like, how, how does do that you happen? Do that? Yeah, you just don't accidentally go $2 billion over budget. Thank you. So upon its complete completion, it was the largest landmass airport in America, boasting a total of 33,457 acres. Wow. Now a little bit of the appearance. The roof of the gigantic main terminal is made of formed fiberglass, giving the appearance of snow-covered mountains. Ooh. Pretty cool. My dream has always been to go to Denver, and I haven't been yet. But I want to go to Denver, too. One day I will. DIA has six runways that form the shape of a swastika from a top view. Huh? Yeah, so we're already getting into the weird. I didn't know that part. Super weird. I didn't remember that part. I'll try to remember to post a picture. Is that on purpose? Well, when we hear the rest of this, you're going to wonder. Oh, my God. Boycott. How do you accidentally make the shape of a swats to go with your runways? That's true. So. that Like, that's a design. Yeah. Somebody designed that shit. Right. Right. And then right, somebody yeah. approved that shit. Exactly. Wow. So DIA has been the subject of conspiracy theories pretty much since the day it opened. Just so you know, I'm going to just Google a picture of that, but just keep talking. Okay. I am listening. So when you arrive at the airport you'll see a 32-foot-tall, 9,000-pound blue horse with glowing red eyes at the front That's to greet you. probably one of the scariest parts. Have you me. seen the picture of this thing? <laughs> yeah. So he's there to greet you or scare the shit out of you, whatever. So anyway, this horse, whose name is Blue Mustang, but dubbed by the locals as Blucifer and <laughs> Demon Horse, actually killed its creator in 2006. Blucifer's head fell off the top of it and landed on Luis Jimenez, and I hope I'm saying that correctly, um, who was the artist, and severed an artery in his leg, leaving him to bleed to death. Oh, man. This leads people to believe that old Blucifer is cursed. First of all, okay, I know this was a very expensive Denver, but if this freaking statue, whatever the hell it is, falls on its creator and kills it, that's probably a bad sign and you probably should do away with it. That's definitely a bad omen for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. So I'm looking at that picture of the runway and I feel like... You think people are... I feel like they're kind of looking too much into it because 
it yeah it kind of does but it also like really does like you really have to be looking for that to see it well why would they make it obvious like when somebody has it drawn out you're like oh yeah for sure right but then when you're just like looking at a picture of it yeah it could you could definitely miss it why make it obvious (laughs) well i feel like if you really wanted it there well there's a lot of obvious things in here though let me just say that So when you enter the airport, you will not be able to miss the creepy bronze gargoyles perched inside suitcases at baggage claims. Yeah, they're really weird. So historically, gargoyles are put on buildings to protect them, right? Mm -hmm. But these little guys at the airport are supposed to help with the safe arrival of the baggage and to help travelers with safe travel. Keep your luggage safe. Yeah. So cute, I guess. <laughs> Adorable. <laughs> um, airport janitors often find coins and other offerings that have been made to the gargoyles. Still, some conspiracy theorists have drummed up the idea that the gargoyles are evil and to be feared and as a, and that they are a symbol of the new world order. For those who are not familiar with the new world order, this is basically the idea that there's an emerging uh, totalitarian, totalitarian, did I say that correctly? Yes, I did. World government. So basically, it's a group of elites that plan to rule the entire world. Most of us, I think we know what that is. I do. Anyway. Do you believe it? Do I believe that those gargoyles? No. uh, Or do I believe in the new world order? Yeah. Oh, I think it could very well be. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) Me too. So um, one of the most popular conspiracy theories at DIA surround the underground tunnels beneath the airport. So there's like a whole, whole, whole lot to unpack here. But some of the rumors floating around have included that the tunnels are a hideout for the global elite, a.k.a. Illuminati. Ooh, ooh. And in the event of an apocalypse, that the New World Order command bunkers are situated below the airport. Or that aliens are hidden under there. <laughs> Honestly, so. it's probably both. <laughs> right. Also, Pizzagate. <clears throat> right. Hashtag yeah. Pizzagate. It's everything. I don't, uh, do you want to get suicided? Because that's how you get suicided. By talking about Pizzagate? Yeah. I have actually, Brooke knows this, a lot of people have requested Pizzagate. And uh, I have done extensive, extensive, extensive research on Pizzagate. I have so much information and honestly, I'm a little scared to report on it. I mean, even you saying that, like, we just got, like... The FBI. <laughs> <laughs> they're honing in on us right We're now. We're going to have to censor that out. <laughs> At first, they're like, oh, they're just talking about fucking, goddamn, the Atlanta child murders. And then they're like, oh, the uh, Denver airport and uh, Pizzagate. Uh, oh, they know stuff. By the time you guys hear this, it's going to go beep. Beep. You're not going to know what we're saying. No, if I end up dead, if either of us end up dead um, from suicide, quote unquote, just know it was Clinton and Hillary. <coughs> Sorry, I have something in my throat. Oh, gosh. Okay. So anyway, about these tunnels, the truth is, yes, there are several floors beneath the airport and there's no hiding that. But sources from the airport say that the real purpose of the underground tunnels space is to move baggage through and that there are also workshops as well as storage space and printing printing facilities down below. Um, I'm I'm sure because, you know, the Atlanta airport has that too, right? Well, 
I believe what they're saying is correct, probably like a couple floors down, but I think it goes a lot lower than they're talking about. How do you go $2 billion over a budget? Yeah, no, it's, um, there's something suspicious. Something going on. is down there. For sure. Sue, so this is, this is the part I think that drew me to, uh, talking about this particular conspiracy the most. And it is the, two strange very strange and seemingly out of place murals inside the airport oh my god these murals okay i changed my mind this is the creepiest part of the entire airport faux show so one of these murals is on the east baggage claim and one is on the west baggage claim and they are outside of the great hall so these gorgeous bright beautiful but super creepy murals are the art of local artist Leo Tanjuma. Tanjuma. I hope I said that correctly. <laughs> so the first mural is called, and I quote, In Peace and Harmony with Nature. Just so you know, I'm also looking up the murals. You look too. at them while I'm talking about okay. it, because this shit is wild. Is it this the one you're looking at first, or talking about first? I believe so. I can't really okay. see it. I feel like my eyes are getting bad, I swear. It's I was like, looking at the preacher this morning, and I like could not see him. It's like um, there's like a bird and like a fire. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Okay. So in peace and harmony with nature is said to symbolize environmental destruction versus environmental uh, healing. It's located in the west side baggage claim. So this dark and eerie mural has a first section that shows a horrific scene of trees burning in the background, animals in glass cages, a little girl laying inside of a coffin. A crying boy carrying a squirrel and people fleeing the fiery scene while crying. Some seriously dark and scary stuff to be seen right here. Why are they in glass cages? I don't know. But the second section of the mural shows a diverse number of children and animals coming together around a futuristic plant. So it's a two-sided mural. Oh, yeah. This this one is the more creep. Why would the they second do one? This? Oh yeah, we'll get into it. They're so fucking creepy. They are so scary. Oh my god. So obviously, people speculate that there is, a, yeah, that there's much more to the that much more than meets the eye. Okay. So backing up a bit in the first section of peace and harmony with nature, there's a bird in the middle of the painting. Are you looking at that? Yeah. So that uh, bird is a Quetzal bird, which can represent extinction okay one of the main conspiracies surrounding the airport is that a mass extinction event will happen soon and denver international airport was built as a type of sanctuary for those selected to emerge in the new world order unharmed on the other side of the mural the plant that all the children are gathered around can be seen as a symbol for the new world or new world government that everyone will have to follow once this extinction event is over So that extinction event is pretty clearly pictured in the next mural, which is titled Children of the World Dream of Peace. This one is located in the East Baggage Claim. So this one depicts a war versus peace theme. And if you're looking at it right now, it is creepy AF. Are you looking at it? Wait, which one is it? This is the Children of the World Dream of Peace, the one with the soldier you just showed me. okay, then no. So this is the second one I'm talking about. Okay. So in the first section of the Children of the World Dream of Peace, uh, this shows a creepy-ass soldier 
and a gas mask with a gun and a sword. Which, okay, first of all, I just want to say, why the fuck in an airport would you put a guy with Dude, a gun? this is exactly what I want to see before I hop on my plane, right? Literally. <laughs> like, scary as fuck. So, there's also a caravan of refugees. <coughs> Bless you. Ooh, I'm so sorry. And they are basically, like, trying to escape him. And there's a hiding child with a teddy bear. A dead child in its mother's arms. Yeah, and ruins everywhere why the fuck is this in the airport please like and also like if for whatever reason even if this was in a museum it would be suspicious but you have it in an airport literally like if this doesn't mean anything at all then like it's still a very poor choice for it's poor taste it's it's very like especially the dead baby in the mother's arms like that's exactly what you want to see before you hop on your plane that's to vacation not necessary and to I, your mom's house or and whatever. i 100 can appreciate art I, I it is a beautiful as far as the art but like why there's a time and a place <laughs> exactly so um in the same or i'm sorry in the second section of this mural there is a celebration of many young people with the same soldier who is now dead beneath them where is that one at look at second section of children of the world dream of peace so the soldier is like dead finally um doves rest on his body and his sword is being destroyed by a kid with a hammer the war versus peace theme of this mural is quite clear yet there are some alternately curious ideas as to what this mural truly symbolizes themes of genocide death and destruction are clearly stated by the imagery here which easily goes along with the idea from the other mural of an extinction of it that is about to happen so again not exactly what a traveler wants to see as they're about to take off in flight right right (laughs) it's it's super creepy you guys and if you haven't seen the pictures i will be posting them check it out wow anyway moving on here so while most airports would probably deny these conspiracy claims we're talking about denver right right denver's a place that stands true in its quirks and they're unafraid of weirdness so the denver airport actually embraces these conspiracy theories and many staff members are happy to discuss them with travelers you know what i just noticed in that one picture there is the flag of israel hmm. i don't know if you saw that i but did not the flag of there and uh, there's so much going on in these things I like i'm sure like, i missed uh, some there's a. Uh, there's many different flags actually so i guess it might just be a world, world kind of peace thing but yeah. that was like the first one i saw hmm. sorry anyways so yeah the staff members actually like enjoy talking to travelers about it and yeah. i think uh for this airport it's kind of a win for them because it gets them obviously a ton of business and uh i think it's a marketing tool oh you know? i'm sure people are super into conspiracy so i'm sure people go there just to see the airport you know what i mean uh, me right i want to go <laughs> me too so uh, now let's talk a little bit about the mysterious time capsule at DIA. And uh, this is no conspiracy here. This is another fact. So there's a particularly interesting dedication plaque at the south entrance of the airport. This plaque is placed over a time capsule that has a Masonic square on it, a compass symbol, and an inscription that gives the time capsule's contents to the, and I quote, people of Colorado in 2094. 
all symbols of Freemasonry and the Illuminati. You know what's weird? You know when we went to the Georgia Guidestones, how there's a time capsule uh-huh. buried beneath that? Like, yeah. why is that a thing? <laughs> why is that a thing? For the people of Colorado in 2094. I'm said? surprised somebody hasn't busted that thing open. Literally, what is in it? I don't know. For the people of Colorado. In 2094. Ooh. We'll never know. No. Oh my <laughs> God, dude. So people speculate that the Freemasons, who are a centuries-old secret society, has controlled the airport ever since it opened up with ties to the New World Order. Um, This is a pretty short part for me, but um, just in closing, a fun fact before I let you guys kind of decide your thoughts on all this craziness. This is not super common knowledge, but DIA was actually built on a Native American burial ground. Of course it was. Mm -hmm. And because of this, there are Native American artifacts spread throughout the airport, and they frequently play Native American music to, and I quote, calm the spirits. I wonder if it helps. That just sets it all off, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So along with aliens and bunkers and the New World Order and, and... creepy ass murals and a big ass horse with glowing red eyes we were built on a indian burial ground literally native americans are screaming and haunting this yeah, place probably because... uh, freaking Goodness. people suck can i just say that yeah like, we suck so i know that was super short but it was just very interesting to me and i wanted to talk about it so there you have it wow well um you know how we have a list of things that we're gonna travel and see and we haven't done it since central state uh-huh this is one of them that we have to do oh yeah, oh, yeah. Let's literally do it. let's do it and then we that would can be fun we can post videos and stuff yes we can make a better episode kind of about it have more one on you know um up close and personal knowledge on it right which speaking of central state i wanted to tell you that i have a friend who works as a cna in a building in the woods behind central state really she said that she is always so scared to go to work because that place is haunted it's funny you say that because i have a friend that works for the milledgeville police do you remember when we were out there she was telling me like look be careful don't go in yeah Yeah. she sent me a bunch of pictures to my instagram the other day she actually came in to get um her wife got one of our ouija board shirts so uh, serenity the one i'm talking about came to get the shirt for sarah and uh, she was talking about um sending me the pictures i've got a bunch of creepy pictures that she took from outside of it so she said something i have to remember what she said but she said she was driving by there a few weeks ago like at dark Uh and there had been some kind of call about something freaky going on there so she was like i'm gonna ride down there and she said she just like had chills all over her body like it was just so eerie so could never Mm -hmm. please don't stand (coughs) a chance against the paranormal no oh my god well anyway well, I think that was a good episode. I like so too. I hope the next one's just as good. I think that uh, I it was think a good mix of things. I think know. it's time for a cigarette break, and uh, we'll be back with episode thirty-two. <laughs> We're annoying as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know what you think of our southern accents. <laughs> Actually, we—I guess we already have them, but that was just amplified. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All right, well, for God's sake, don't drink the Jones juice.